Welcome. You're tuned into the Two Kings podcast with your hosts Brian Weeks and Adam Ricker. You may now enter the kingdom. Good morning and welcome to the Two Kings Podcast. I am this week's host, Brian Weeks. Unfortunately, my partner in love and in life, Adam Ricker, could not be here this weekend. Um, however, we've uh, we've discussed this upcoming episode uh, for a while. This is one that I've been trying to figure out the best way to present the this information for all of you um our listeners and it's a little bit different this week i mean not just because it's just me but um this this episode is revolving around an idea um i have had in my in my brain for over 25 years um a concept for a film and the film is called Bathhouse. And throughout the story that I'm going to be telling about how the how it came to be, um, you know, it will be revealed as to why I'm now choosing this format <laughs> to uh, to tell you about it. But Bathhouse originally came to me literally in a dream. Um, my senior year of high school, 1994-95. Um, I had a dream one night that took place in the 1970s and I was um, a patron at a gay bathhouse and it wasn't like a sex dream or anything. It was more like an immersive experience into what my 17 year old brain was thinking that the seventies were like. Um, at the time, I was heavily um, influenced by a um, a movie that had been made about a series of books, and the series of books came from a serial um, a, a serial um, set of writings that were in a, in a in a newspaper in San Francisco in the nineteen seventies. Um, the writer was Armistead Maupin, and the um, fictional serial articles were called tales of the city which was made into a book in 1978 um it spawned seven sequels and in 1993 um channel four from the bbc and pbs made a joint venture to turn tales of the city into a film and it was a a six-hour miniseries Starring the um, incredible Laura Linney, Olympia Dukakis, um, Thomas Gibson. Um, those are the, the, the biggest like names that were in it. But Laura Linney played the, uh, the main character, Marianne Singleton, who was the, uh, the, the audience surrogate uh, through who, whose eyes the story was kind of told through. Um, but I've always been fascinated by the 70s uh the culture the music 
the fashion. Uh, and yes, I do feel that 70s fashion is fashion. You know, facts are facts. Um, but I, I feel like having that dream was was very... Um, was definitely a, a result of having taped that miniseries movie on my VCR and watching it 10 or 12 times and reading the book. And of course, as I just mentioned, um, you know, I listened to a, a lot of music from the seventies at the time I was, um, you know, practically surgically welded to my turntable and I was listening to my stacks and stacks of records that I would pick up at yard sales, flea markets, the bargain bin, um, you know, just trying to soak up everything from the seventies, um, like a, a sponge. And at the time, um, it was more of just a thought. And after high school, 1996, 1997, I started really writing in earnest. And I, I had several projects that I w had been working on, but Bathhouse was sort of like bubbling in the back of my mind. And I saw it as a, as a potentially really not a porn per se, but, you know, the, the if a bulk of the film takes place in a gay bathhouse, it's going to lend itself to... Um, to sexual situations and to nudity and like I wanted to try to figure out some way to make that happen but also to keep it a, a mainstream movie and, I, and I, I, I hate using that you know mainstream um, because that sort of content no matter what is not going to be mainstream um, but in the mid 90s is kind of when there was a big resurgence of independent film and I thought that that would kind of be the route to go was to kind of turn this into a into an independent film and um, unfortunately everything that I wrote now I, at this point I was not writing for the screen I was just like just creative writing trying to trying to turn it into a novel that was my first the first incarnation of Bathhouse was to be um, a book. And unfortunately, um, everything that I wrote back in 96, 97 was destroyed. And um, I, I don't have any of that anymore. Which is fine because, you know, what I'm, what I'm writing at age 18, 19 years old is going to be a lot different than what I am writing as a, you know, adult now in my almost mid forties. Wow. Made me feel a little old there. Um, but so a few years went by and in the early to mid two thousands, um, in the early two thousands, I, I met, um, a man who would become my, my partner and eventually, um, husband, uh, we're clearly not together anymore. Um, but in the early days of our relationship, I, he's, this man is significantly older than me. So, um, he was my age that I was at the time in my early, in my mid twenties, he was in his mid twenties during the time that bathhouse 
would be taking place. And he, um, I'm one of those people that I like every, you know, I, I want to hear real stories. Like, you know, I see, like, there's a television show, um, that 70s show. I know Adam really likes it. I've only seen it a couple of times because um, of through m- almost all of my um, employment experience, I- I've worked in the evening. So I don't, you know, a lot of quote unquote contemporary television shows from like the mid nineties to today. Um, I don't see very many of them. And, uh, but the couple of episodes that I saw, I'm like, mm, this feels like a parody of the 1970s. It doesn't feel genuine. So, you know, just sitting on the couch and hanging out, you know, it would be one of those, Hey, tell me some stories about the seventies. <laughs> And, you know, they didn't all have, like, a a sexual bent to them. But I thought it was really, really interesting hearing about, you know, um, him moving here uh, from Massachusetts and settling here um, in in the the White Mountains of New Hampshire in, you know, 1972, I think. Um, I think, yeah, I think he graduated high school in 72. So like, anyway, the 72, 73, 74, that area era. Um, and you know, hearing about the different, um, you know, the different places that don't exist anymore, like the, like the restaurants that he ran. And, and, and I know, you know, and knowing, oh, that used to be this and now it's this. And, um, some of the people he was friends with, you know, at the time, 30 years ago, um, it was all wildly interesting to me. And I just kind of like filed all that in the back of my head. You know, it was really kind of cool. Um, but I always worked on other projects. Bathhouse always seemed to me to be too hot to handle. Too cold to hold to call the Ghostbusters. Okay. Um, sorry. It was, it was too much. It was, wasn't something that I necessarily felt comfortable I don't want to say I didn't feel comfortable. I mean, like these are my own ideas, but I didn't feel maybe equipped enough to, to find the right voice and to find the right way of writing this, the way I wanted it to be written, the way that I, the way I found it really difficult to, to translate what I was seeing in my head. Like I have a full film with beginning and end credits in my head, but trying to get that out into to translate it to, to, so that other people will understand what I'm seeing in my head and, and hearing in my mind is a challenge. So I s- just basically just started working on other projects and I have done that over the years. And there's like little bits and pieces that out of all of my unfinished works, there's probably two or three moments or two or three scenes and lines and things that I've used that I love so much and I try to find a way to work them into everything so that if one gets published, those amazing moments are going to get out there somehow. (laughs) But, um, I, uh, excuse me. Um, I, I'm going to fast forward to 2016. In 2016, I uh, started taking classes as a incoming freshman at Southern Maine Community College in South Portland, Maine, and I was taking a 
uh, uh, class about um, media. And our final project for the semester was to create some sort of media. We didn't actually have to create the media. We were to invent some kind of media, didn't matter what it was, but it had to have controversy attached to it. And then what our challenge was, was to create this, basically we're trying to like create an ad campaign or a trailer for a film or a, you know, a, a book cover, some sort of something that's something tangible to promote a controversial non-existent product. And as soon as I heard controversy, the first thing I thought of was bathhouse because what, especially in, in that election year of 2016, which is kind of funny that I'm now, now sharing this four years later in the even more batshit crazy election year of 2020. Um, but what is more controversial than retelling of, you know, than, than a telling of a, a sexually explicit telling of what the gay bathhouse experience was like. Cause I don't really believe that's a story that's ever been told before. So I decided to, what I did for my final project was I created a movie poster and let me tell you about that movie poster. Um, it's actually hanging on my, it's hanging on the wall right by my front door. It is one of the things I am most proud of. However, um, in my haste or whatever of um, trying to, I don't know, not haste, but I was trying to make my movie poster look authentic. And I now regret some of my choices in the movie poster, which if you go to our website, um, twokingspodcast.com I'm going to I have I have posted um my movie poster and I'm going to be posting a lot of stuff that revolves around bathhouse but the first thing of course is, is this movie poster now my I regret the choice of choosing for my fictional movie to have it be released by Miramax Films and um to actually call out no, actually, I did not call him. Okay, cool. I didn't actually put Harvey Weinstein on the uh, on the poster, but Miramax Films is Harvey Weinstein. And uh, but my reasoning behind it at the time was in the early to mid '90s and going even into the 2000s. Miramax was seemed to be the the go to film company for. Um, for independent films looking to go to the mainstream or something, you know, projects that were more, that were riskier, that were not um, traditional family Disney fair. You know, Miramax was a little edgier and that's why I chose Miramax. And um, I did create for this, this um, fictional film, a fictional production company, Idol Warship Productions. And uh, the really cool logo is there. And Idol Warship Productions um, is actually 
a name I'm trying to, I would like to copyright someday. It's a play on words of idol worship and, um, you know, in, in, in worshiping false idols. I'm not really a biblical type person, but I always felt that that was a cool little juxtaposition there. But um, choosing my other, my co-stars for the film, because of course I'm, I'm starring in this fictional film, um, but I had to choose, oh, wait a minute. No, I'm kidding. I actually don't have myself listed in there um, as, a, as a star. Um, but I just chose guys I found to be hot um, as, as my cast list. Nick Frost, Nick Offerman, Seth Rogen, and Bobby Moynihan are the stars of the film. And yes, one could say that I, I do have a type. Um, but yeah, so that's the movie poster. But I, I do absolutely regret uh, now choosing Miramax as my fictional um, my fictional company to, to widely release my fictional movie. So the title of this, um, of this film at this point, um, I'm, I'm, we'll call bathhouse a film, even though it doesn't exist. The, the project is, is to be a film. Um, the, tagline or descri- or description this is part of from from my pitch and I'll, I'll get into a little bit more about that later but this is from the from the actual pitch from second semester but uh, bathhouse is the dangerously seductive gay bathhouse scene of early 1970s New York City as seen through the eyes of a closeted everyman who discovers and ultimately embraces the hedonistic lifestyle while trying to maintain a facade of being normal to the standard of the era um, I, it feels to me like, you know, definitely the best venue for this, this film would be in kind of an independent art house type film. Um, it's not really necessarily appropriate for wide release, but I do think it would fit in well in film festivals, concentra- concentrating on LGBT stories and issues. Um, and maybe like in an edited form on broadcast on like logo or something. So for the... Um, final, final project for that first semester class, um, regarding controversy, I created the movie poster. I created, um, a like 10 minute video that is supposed to be an interview. Someone, an off camera person is interviewing me about my film that has bathhouse that has just been released in theaters. And um, I'm addressing the controversy, quote unquote, about the content of the film. And, and that video, I'm also, is a link to that is going to be put up on the website as well. Um, I was going to try to just rip some audio from it, but I am not that technologically advanced at this point yet. But it's, uh, it's kind of fun to, to see, you know, where I was at four and a half years ago. Um, but then I also... Um, wrote a fake news article which was in the in the guise of a newspaper review about bathhouse so i'm gonna actually read that uh fake newspaper review that i created for for the class and um i and i will also put a link to this up on the website as well um so this was a, a fake article that did not appear in the Portland Press-Herald on May 13th, 2016. Uh, but the 
It's entitled, This Bathhouse is Not Good, Clean, or Fun. In the new pornographic film masquerading as an art house period piece, Bathhouse, first-time director and writer Robert Weeks outdoes himself in his attention to detail. This is not necessarily all praise. While there is a stunning representation of 1974 New York in the film's muted colors, accurate costuming, decidedly not the punchline that is normally displayed in 70s set movies nowadays, and the oppressive and desperate tone throughout, on the flip side, the viewer is subjected to an unflinching portrayal of raw animal sexual situations and gratuitous full frontal male nudity. The story's protagonist, Eric Williams, is a 30-something everyman. In the first 20 minutes of the film, he's shown being miserable at work, miserable at home, and basically miserable at life. The beginning of the action, as it were, takes place in a diner late at night. Eric, seated at the counter, finished with his meal, asks the stranger sitting next to him for a match. Striking a match from the book and lighting a cigarette, Eric tosses the match onto his empty dinner plate and the matchbook cover comes into frame. An advertisement for the fictional Neptune Baths is shown, allegedly based on the real-life Continental Baths where Bette Midler and Barry Manilow performed and were discovered in the early 70s. Then a moment of eye contact from the two men. Keep it, the stranger says when Eric attempts to give back the matchbook. The stranger smiles slightly and subtly, as if to signify the opening to the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah. Eric goes to the bathhouse that night, looking carefully to be sure no one sees him enter. Once inside, the viewer discovers a sleazy underbelly of gay sex, drug abuse, and depravity. Because there is so much nudity, it's easy to become almost immune to it, and you may begin to focus on the excessive, perhaps, simulated sexual acts and BDSM. Marijuana, cocaine, LSD, poppers, and more are snorted, smoked, and inhaled, as well as unlimited amounts of liquor consumed in the dim, red-lit caverns set to a particularly bass-heavy soundtrack of glam rock like T-Rex and David Bowie. Over the course of the film, Eric's descent into the bathhouse lifestyle is shown. There are no real relationships cultivated, just multiplying random sexual encounters. Names aren't exchanged, and the men are never seen again. The editing and dialogue of the film give an impression that this way of life is exciting, even enviable. Eric seems to be finding a renewed interest in life, as well as a sense of identity at the bathhouse. By the end of the film, the assimilation is complete and Eric leads two completely different lives. The normal Eric still manages the hardware store, occasionally dates the blonde checkout girl, and bowls in his Tuesday night league while the other Eric exists after dark, intertwined in a never-ending orgy of sweat, sex, and secrecy. The caution and fear that once almost overcame him is now replaced with a kind of swagger and revelry in this new life of debauchery. Bathhouse is left with a purposely ambiguous ending, according to producer and director Robert Weeks. Life is not a string of cleanly defined vignettes. This film shows us six or seven months out of one person's life. There would be no real end unless the character was killed just before the end credits. While this may be true, the character's trajectory would definitely be headed in that direction. Bathhouse glamorizes a pre-AIDS era with no tangible consequences. Today's generation is likely to see this film and engage in the same risky behavior. What Eric and friends are doing throughout this film is by no means appealing to me, but there is a segment of the population that will be attracted to the energy, 
drugs, and nonstop sex and want it for themselves. The film's tagline is tantalizingly seedy. Tonight, get dirty at New York's cleanest orgy. A move that is ill-advised at best, reckless at worst. Promoting unsafe sex and rampant drug use may sell movie tickets, but Weeks, cast, and crew must consider the potential consequences of Bathhouse, especially if the characters won't, or more specifically, can't. The first half of 1974 is a curious time to set this film. The, secu- the sexual revolution of the 60s has passed, and Nixon is still in the White House. Events like the Son of Sam killer and the 1977 blackout have yet to happen in the city, and on a more global level, HIV and AIDS have not yet decimated the numbers of gay men in that community. Perhaps the most jarring juxtaposition in Bathhouse is the sense of innocence and ignorance to what is looming in the distance. All of the characters in this film are young, dumb, and full of passion, but at what cost? Besides being at its basest level a porn film, Bathhouse is an exercise in irresponsible filmmaking in the age of AIDS. Rated R, it definitely deserves a stronger rating. Parental discretion is highly encouraged, but I would strongly advise against viewing it even alone. Rated R for extreme sexual situations, drug use, language, and nudity. 129 minutes, Miramax and Idol Worship Productions. So that was obviously, uh, I, that was the other piece of the, um, of the final project that I kind of forgot to mention, and I do apologize for that, is with the controversy, we actually were, the, the, real, um, the real challenge was that we had to um, present controversial media then we had to have some sort of media addressing it in a positive way and some sort of media addressing it in a negative way as well as um we also had to like make up a fake twitter account and um post tweets but the video that i made presented the pro position like pro this movie and this um fake news article, uh, fake um, movie review, takes the con side. So, um, and when the actual scenes that I have written um, are, when you read those on the website, you will see that there's a lot of the the uh, little details have changed. Like, you know, in he doesn't run a hardware store anymore, and the, 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 the ending is absolutely not... Um, ambiguous at all but um this is of course you know as projects um kind of morph and change and everything um uh, certain things change so this was this was written um in may of 16 and then when i went back for the fall semester in august and september um i was actually um the, the class that i take with the same professor was a script writing class and one we had to write two scenes um for our first half you know for a midterm project and like right out of the gate day one she came up to me and she's like so i'm not even giving you an option you will write two scenes for bathhouse and that kind of gave me the impetus to actually do it you've been listening to the two kings podcast We're going to pause for a brief intermission and then return for the second half of this week's broadcast.
Thanks again for listening to the Two Kings podcast. Now let's return to the second half of the broadcast. So the two scenes that I had decided to expand upon and actually write um, scripts for um, are there's a scene towards the beginning of the movie uh, that the scene in the bar where um, the main character Eric gets this matchbook that has the name of a gay bathhouse on it and kind of that that's kind of the first turning point of the film where um, Eric goes from being a super closeted gay dude um, into actually exploring some of the some some of these desires that he has and the second one that I the, the second scene that I wrote takes place in the bathhouse and towards the this is this one uh, occurs towards the middle of the film where he's been going for a while um he's kind of made himself a regular and this night just randomly he happens to run into someone who identifies him and that's kind of where things start to go a little bit sideways for him and um, I, my original thought for this episode was to actually read the scripts that I wrote for those two scenes. However, um, I feel like that's something that wouldn't work because there's multiple people and then there's also like stage directions and stuff like that. So I'm actually I'm putting them up on the website as they were written. And... Uh, I would love sometime to actually like have a table read with um, some other with friends uh, and record that just to get some sort of an idea in my head, which would help me not just hear it in my head to have have other people hear the words and get it's because it is different reading this reading the spoken word and hearing it, but. One of our in-class um, exercises that we had um, during the, the semester that we were, our, the bulk of our project was to, to write two scenes for whatever, whatever it was that we were doing. Um, and we were given a writing prompt that says, choose two problems for your character that another character can help mitigate. Does your character show gratitude? Yes or no? How? And what does this reveal about your character? So problem number one uh, is that Eric knows that he is different from the people around him. He knows deep down that he's gay, but being openly homosexual in 1974 is not a realistic probability to him. He tries to bottle up and compartmentalize these feelings, but what he really needs is an outlet to explore them. In Eric's mind, the reason would be to face and conquer his demons. So in the scene in the neighborhood bar, a slightly drunk Eric gets into a conversation with a stranger. Being an introverted person, kind of like myself, this type of idle conversation is really out of character, but the alcohol helps him loosen up, kind of like me. So when Eric's lighter runs out of fuel, he asks, to no one in particular, for a book of matches. The stranger gives Eric a book of matches and tells him to keep it. Shortly thereafter, that stranger leaves the bar. 
and once he's gone, Eric sees that the matchbook came, comes from this unfamiliar place in Manhattan that turns out to be a gay bathhouse. Uh, later on in the film, Eric actually runs into that stranger at the bathhouse. They don't speak, but they do share a look. Eric's is kind of a startled look, and the stranger's is more knowing, and he smirks before turning a corner into a room with another patron. Um, so in my opinion, Eric does show his gratitude for this silent golden ticket, as it were, into the lifestyle that he was seeking by actually going to the bathhouse. And the stranger sees this with that look of recognition. Uh, this does show a genuine concern by the stranger to make another person happy if they follow the clues left for them. And Eric does show a growth of character by taking the initiative to face his fear, also a desire, head, head on, rather than just staying in the unhappy rut he has created for himself. The second problem that he has is Eric's secret life has been discovered by another frequent patron of the bathhouse. This man is the father of one of Eric's students, and he has blackmailed Eric with threats of exposure, which at that time could end his teaching career. So that's what happens in the second scene is, um, that, that I wrote, was that he is recognized by the father of one of his students at the school. Um, toward the end of the film, Eric faces a dilemma of, of whether to do literally whatever this man wants him to do or risk being exposed, humiliated, and, and hurt emotionally and or physically. He's leaving the bathhouse one night, and near the subway stop, he sees a group of young men having a physical altercation with another man. As Eric gets closer, he sees that it is the man who has been blackmailing Eric. The young men are beating him, having seen him leave the gay bathhouse. Eric is paralyzed in horror as they eventually beat him to death and run, leaving him lifeless on the street. In one way... Eric is freed from the blackmail and can go on living that double life and he can stay in the closet for the rest of his life. However, seeing that man killed, however awful of a person he was, actually provides the moment where Eric decides to find a way to live his life openly, which turns out to be the, the resolution to the film. Um, in between, over the summer break, thinking about stuff, I decided that I wanted to not leave the ending ambiguous. I wanted to have a clear ending. And even though it may not have been incredibly realistic to have a 30 year old openly gay man in 1974, that's still what I wanted. I wanted there to be some sort of positivity for him. So easily the coolest thing that happened um, during this, uh, during the screenwriting semester, um, was we actually had the opportunity to truly pitch our ideas to a Hollywood producer. And, um, that was a once in a lifetime thing. I, I can't explain how exhilarating and nerve-wracking at the same time that, that was we had we had one week um our the professor told us oh by the way next monday you know it's um it's a special special week it's it's you know it was her birthday and she had used her connections in the in the industry to get a couple of hours of this hollywood producer's time to listen to our, to actually listen to our pitches for whatever this, 
the the script script that we were doing. Now, one other thing that I, I wanted to add is that in this script writing class, more than half of the people in the script writing class had also been in the the media class that I was in the semester before and already knew this project. So as soon as they, as soon as it was said, you know, oh, you know, we're going to be pitching these to, to Hollywood next week. Not, not a real pitch, but we were getting like an opinion of somebody who actually works in Hollywood or worked in Hollywood or whatever. Um, there were a, a lot of, a lot of people in the class were like, oh my God, this is so great. Like, cause they already knew what, you know, they had already been knew about bathhouse and my idea. And even the, like the people that were like, you know, I'm not gay. Um, you know, none of the, like, I'm not like homophobic, but like, you know, I'm not gay, but like, I, this is something that I would, I would want to go see this movie. Like I take my wife to go see that. Like, really? <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was just, it was an honor. So when I had a chance the following week, um, to get up there, I did not go first. I went third on purpose. Um, but the lady was super, super nice. And, um, and I, I had my 90 second pitch and I, I basically, the, the, the tagline that I had at the very beginning of this podcast, um, and she asked me some follow-up questions, you know, um, one of the questions she asked is, is why specifically was I, um, setting the film in 1974? And I said specifically 74 because it was, it was post sexual revolution and pre disco disco, the rise of disco music being in the mainstream really kind of blurred some of those lines in between, um, heterosexuality and homosexuality. It was, it was, it was a much freer time. And I feel like having this take place before that makes it more of a challenge for the main character to be trying to live that double life. And, um, you know, it just, it seemed to be a little bit more, I don't know, gritty, realistic, but she said, um, her, her response was overwhelmingly positive and it made me feel really, really good. Um, but she said that not only was what I was, you know, my pitch is that is spot on accurate. Um, and she's like, you are much younger than it would seem by the level of detail that I had put into this. And I said, well, you know, it's something I've always, I've always been into that time period. And she said, you know, there's never been a film that has, there's never been a film that has, has tried to conquer this specific, this dude's story has never been told before in any other way. Um, uh, but the interesting thing was, this is an older lady. Um, she had said that the thing that really caught her was that not only did this film seem true to life and something very interesting, especially for the younger generations of, of, um, LGBTQ youth that don't understand or don't accurately know the history of what it was like to be 
you know, to have that experience back in those days before today. Um, but she said that, you know, not only was it, was it realistic, but she's like, I know that guy, you know, I know that guy. I know all the people around him. You know, she said that she was a young woman in New York city in the mid seventies. And she knew so many men that, you know, identified as gay or were closeted or whatever and patronized the bathhouses. And, um, and she just, she said, you know, that this was, this is fascinating. And, uh, it, it felt really awesome. Um, I, I can't even, I can't undersell that, <laughs> how great I felt. Um, but, um, the reason that I am sharing all of this with you, cause when I, when all this happened, uh, my college professor had said, uh, do not tell a soul about this idea. This idea is too good. It's too juicy. It's, it's, it's a great idea. Don't share it with anyone because someone will steal it from you. I really want to get more into trying to, whether it actually turns into a film or I do turn it into a novel or just, just writing some more about it, getting back into this, back into this character's head is a goal that I have coming up for 2021. And, uh, I'm, I'm really gonna, I'm, I'm, Going forward into next year, I'm really going to, um, my, I've been very, very much inspired by my partner, Adam, in the way that he has taken his passions and his hobbies and turned them into something he's actually doing, so, like he's actually doing something with his big passion in his, in, uh, of gaming. Um, he's created Big Ricker Gaming. And he's, he's streaming all the time and like, he's actually doing it. And this podcast is also a result of, of Adam really kind of inspiring me. This is something that I've always wanted to do and to be able to do it with Adam most of the time is, um, has been a dream come true. I, I absolutely love doing this podcast and I hope to be doing it for many, many more years, but before the podcast, for the past 25, 30 years, I've been writing and there's a lot of loose ends that I have, a lot of ideas that I have that have never made it to the paper. And that's one of my goals going into 2021. Um, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that, uh, you know, there is no certainty of anything, you know, that's not always going to be tomorrow. Um, and, you know, to live life to its fullest and to, and, and I feel like I need to re-embrace my creative side. And in doing that, I want to start working on some of these unfinished pieces that I have, you know, not necessarily this one, although I have to say that bathhouse is, is probably my biggest passion project of my entire life at this point. And I'd like to do more with it, but, um, I have, you know, the movie poster that I created, I have the video, um, I have that newspaper or the fake newspaper article. I have the two finished scenes and then I have a bunch of, um, 
exemplars that I had used for when I submitted that, that final project of, you know, character studies and some photos that I had used to be like, okay, this is a type of, of clothing that he would wear. And this is the type of, you know, this is a, l- a little more detail and all that stuff is going to be, um, all that stuff is now available on the website. I'm, I'm saying it's going to be, well, when this airs, it will be there magically. Um, but all that stuff is there. And, um, if you have, you know, our, our listeners, if you have part of the two Kings podcast family, if you have any interest at all in learning more, um, about this character, about this project, um, you know, definitely hit me up. Um, but I'm, I'm putting it out there for a couple of reasons at this time. Uh, one of the reasons is because this is a, you know, this podcast is going to be released on the day it's being released. And then it is out there time stamped that this is my idea. And I, this is my idea and it is not someone else's idea. Um, and also I'm putting it out there to kind of gauge some interest and see if, if people are like into the idea or not. This is actually one of the projects that I have never put any of that writing or ideas in my old blogs, in, in any of the, that's never been put, this stuff has never been put on the internet for consumption. It was put on the, that that video was put on the internet on a secret YouTube page for like two days. So none of this stuff, like there's the 20 people that were in my class and my professor and that producer in Hollywood that have heard this. And of course, you know, I've, I've spoken about this, um, at length with Adam. Um, so he knows about it, but like there's, there's, you know, less than 30 people in the world that have heard, um, that have heard my idea and I want it to go out to a larger group of people to see if anybody is interested in it. And it's also one of those things that it's kind of a way of what's there's oh, fuck. There's a word that I'm, I'm looking for here. It's for, for culpability. I get no, I guess. I mean, what if I put it out there and you know, no one hears anything about it, then somewhere down the line, uh, Hey dude, what's going on with, with bathhouse? Like we haven't heard anything. There's not been any new scenes out there or, or you've not talked about it. It kind of, it keeps me, it, it's going to keep it a little, you know, further, further ahead in, in my mind. So, um, I think I'm going to try to wrap it up here. Um, I've really enjoyed talking about bathhouse and, what it has meant to me. Oh, just kidding. So the other idea that I had had after if this were to become a film and, you know, be a film, the other alternate theory that I had had was to take bathhouse and kind of make it into a TV series as, as, as an anthology. Um, like American horror story, but like without the horror being that it's like the, the repertory company of actors, um, bathhouse though, as a TV series anthology would be more where the, the bathhouse is the main character and 
over various story arcs um, and various seasons, the history of LGBTQ rights, equality, etc., could be told through the patrons that go to this bathhouse over decades. Um, like, for instance, this season, it's 1969, and we're basically telling... We're, we're telling Stonewall. Um, then, you know, next season it takes place in 1982 and we're talking about the first days of HIV and AIDS. Um, you know, the next year it's 1987 and we're talking about ACT UP and, and you know, the kind of that militancy that, the, uh, that, was, that was starting to happen. And, and, but, you know, so there's many, many different ways of doing it. But I really, really enjoyed this. The 1974 um, as a starting point. And the other thing that I'm going to be sharing is a the inspiration playlist that I had. Um, I, I made up a playlist that was actually a, uh, it was a, a suggestion by our professor. Says, you don't have to do it, but it may help. Um, I put together a list of, I think, 15 or 20 songs. I'm looking at the list right now um, of the music that I listened to while I was writing and while I was looking for inspiration to kind of get me into that mode. Um, And there is a lot of David Bowie on there, Um, but I'm going to put a link to the inspiration playlist on there. So if it it may be kind of cool if you want, if you, if you're one of those people that can like listen to music quietly in the background while you're reading, if you put that playlist on random quietly while you are reading the scripts, it'll kind of recreate of me sitting in front of my computer, typing up those words while I'm listening to the same music. So, you know, if you kind of interactive experience, but I've had a really great time talking about this. Um, Thank you, as always, for tuning into the Two Kings podcast, even though this week you're only getting one king. Um, And I I miss you very much, Adam, and I can't wait to see you in just a couple of days. Um, But thank you very much. Uh, Like and subscribe, as always. Join in the conversation. Uh, Go to our Facebook page. Drop us an e- drop us a line. Uh, send us an email to two kings podcast at mail dot com, and uh, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week on the Two Kings podcast, where it is always Saturday. Have a wonderful week, everybody. And as Adam would say, wear your damn mask and keep your hands to yourself. Bye, everybody.